Hello, everyone. We are here in Santa Clarita, California, with Angela Aiden. Super excited about this podcast. Um, topics that we're going to be covering have been on my mind for quite a while, um, especially one of them. And yeah, so we're just really excited to be sitting here with with Angela. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let her speak just a little bit about a little bit about her background, um, uh, because maybe a lot of you know who she is and what she does, but I'm sure there's some of you out there who who have no clue. <laughs> Somehow. Um, so yeah. explain your huge history of animals very shortly. Yeah. <laughs> Two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started off as a vet tech. I worked at a lot of different veterinary hospitals for 14 years, and I was going to go to school to be a vet. And then I sort of like changed courses. When I moved to Santa Barbara, I learned about how many dogs are dying in shelters every day. And so I got very heavily involved in dog rescue. And I've been doing that for 11 years now. Um, and then, you know, with dog rescue, you kind of learn very quickly that there's a huge lack of education in how to manage these dogs and how to help these dogs. So um, I got into the training world and just tried to soak up as much knowledge as I possibly could. That's very concise. <laughs> Given your, yes. everything that you encompass, your, your yeah. life is, is so full. You don't have to look very far to see how full that is. Mm -hmm. um, so... But yeah, that's a brief little history. Mm -hmm. And we'll just, if you're interested in more, just look up Deserving, Do Deserving Dogs on Instagram. Um, or what, do you have a website? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Freddie has a website. Freddie has a, a CBD company. Mm -hmm. So I also have a pet CBD company. Right. Yeah. Right. But I uh, think before we start, I just yeah. want to say um, that... And it might make me emotional because like thinking of you and your work makes me emotional because there aren't a lot of people in this industry that have the level of devotion that you have. Like we were talking about last night, how like our lives and yours revolve around the dogs in our life completely. Like everything in the day is mapped around the dog or the dogs. And just like the level of selflessness and devotion that you have is, it's incredible. So thank you. From the time I wake up, when my feet hit the ground, like my whole day is what can I be doing for the dogs in my home and a lot of dogs outside of my home. And, um, it all kind of started because I used to be a really shy person and couldn't even hold conversations with people. And when I was young, like if someone just looked at me and tried to talk to me, I would start crying. Like mm -hmm. that's how sensitive I was. Mm -hmm. And the first time I walked a big pack of dogs, like was the first time that I felt confident in myself. Mm -hmm. And from that moment, I was like, I need to give back to these dogs. Like they just gave me something so big in life mm -hmm. that no one else has been able to ever give me that like everything I do is just to say thank you to them. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, that is a hell of a gift. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I guess it, 
I had never heard that. Um, so it makes a lot of sense why you have just literally devoted your, like every waking moment to a degree Mm -hmm. to them. Um, I was confident as a kid. (laughs) I I didn't get that. Uh, but you know, with Cole and I, like she just said, like our life is dedicated to the dogs in our that that have been in our lives. Juno, Stitch. We don't have tons, obviously. Like I have, I've been without a dog for a year now, um, which isn't the norm. Like it's kind of the total opposite of you to a degree. <laughs> Um, or any trainer <laughs> or or any trainer to just have one dog um and at the moment to not have any and uh but that being said it's like whether we would choose to go to a movie or whether we would choose to do a, like whatever activity you know it does revolve around dogs and i guess this kind of bleeds into one of the topics um but treating dogs as kids like so many people treat dogs like dogs and some of them treat them like children and some of them are kind of like in a little mix did you get it (laughs) there we go that's better okay That would be cut out. Um, So some people have dogs and they treat them like dogs. um, And they, you know, I guess, what am I trying to say with this? They'll not shape their life around them, which is totally fine. Um, But I guess... There's like this weird zone where people will treat their dogs like dogs, but then they'll also coddle them and treat them like a child. But they'll also leave them for long periods of time, 12 hours sometimes, you know. They'll not be attentive to when they're barking, not be attentive to when they're whining. And so they'll, they'll treat them kind of like dogs in that sense, right? But then in other situations or moments, they're very much treating them like a child. So it's like the, there's this weird dichotomy where it's like, for us, our experience with dogs is like, if a dog needs us, if they're barking, they're whining, uh, they're having a meltdown, we are there for them 24 hours a day right? We're not going to leave them for 12 hours at a time. Again, to each their own. Um, even if you did that, you like, if I had to leave a dog for 12 hours, like, because I worked nine to nine or something like that, I'd be getting up well before nine. I have to be at work and I would come home and I'd work, I'd be with them from nine. And, you know, just like that selflessness goes away. Um, so, I guess, do you, what, like in your experience, because have you always been that way with them? Since, since you began working with dogs and they kind of gave you that gift, 
have you always steered in that direction or do you feel like over time you have kind of morphed into incorporating them more into your life and being them more be, being there for them more like a child right does that does that make sense yeah 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 it does like that 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 level of sacrifice but then also kind of treating them like it's like people are split they're not picking one or the other right yeah. they're, they're, it's like you're taking the best of both yes they're like yeah yeah. When I was 14, I got my first dog that was like my dog. And it was a little Shih Tzu named Danny. And he was like my best friend. <laughs> and I used to get invited to go to like friends' houses and stay overnight. And I'd be like, well, what's Danny going to do that <laughs> night? You know, like, <laughs> no, I, I can't go anywhere overnight because my dog. And I mean, I would leave the house and he would just like wait for me by the door and I'd get mm -hmm. home. And that was like the first, like he was my best friend, you know? So I think that I've sort of always been that way um, from the time that I had my first dog. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like growing up, we had dogs. They were just, they were dogs. And, and so I've had the experience of having both sides and the, mind you, those dogs growing up, they weren't like mine. Like they were shared amongst the family, right? And I got to work with them and interact with them and stuff like that. But um but yeah, I guess um it really changed my view when I got Juno. Cause he was like, I guess you could say he was definitely my first dog. And like he was everything. He was absolutely everything. So I've had that experience of having both. So I empathize with with both kind of, um, with both experiences in life. Um, and like my mom, she she's one who also has gone through that because she had dogs. Because that's what we had growing up. Like we'd have we have Pyrenees in the backyard who were like attached and tethered in the winter time and so on and so forth, just kind of classic. Um, and now she has dogs and they're her life, you know? Same thing with my mom. She grew up having German shepherds chained in the backyard. And when she was a young girl, she would go out and sit in the dog houses with those dogs, even though she was told, you know, they were dangerous. Mm. And so she promised herself, you know, when she was older and she had her dogs, that they would never be treated like that. And so I learned from her mm. the proper way to treat a dog, you know, to have them as family and mm. they get well fed and walked every day. And they spent like, we had Rottweilers growing up and we would, if we went to the beach, the dog would come with us. Like mm. he would go everywhere with us. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. And your, your experience too. Was, Mine's very similar to yours. Yeah. Um, like my first two dogs were backyard dogs. Like they had a dog area, so we called it. My mom took them on walks. Um, that was it. Like we'd throw our chicken, like our kitchen scraps out the window and they'd eat it, brother and sister. Um, and then when they passed, I was like, I need a dog in my life. And my dad's like, you're going to leave me in four years and I'm going to be stuck with a dog because who knows where you're going to go. You know, if I didn't take the dog. 
So he did guide dogs instead, which is like year to year. So at the end of it, he could be done and there's no commitment for him or for me because I didn't know what I was doing. But he ended up keeping the last one. So, <laughs> And he's still alive, too. He's like 15 or something. Right. Like, yeah. But similar, where it like went from just like backyard dogs. I'd crawl into their doghouse with them, you know, and read them stories, even though I'm dyslexic and couldn't really read very well. Um, and to like right into like working dogs that aren't mine that I had to like follow a book by and then kind of a... And then Stitch. So <laughs> Years ago, before I moved from Northern California, I applied to go to the Bergen University of Canine Studies, mm. and I got accepted. And so that was going to be my path, was to go train service dogs. Cool. And wow. somewhere along the line, it you know sort of changed, and mm-hmm. I kind of went into the world of dog rescue instead, which I'm very grateful for, but that was something that I was very interested in. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. It's funny how it's all connected. I know. Totally. Yeah. Well, when I was a yeah. kid, I wanted to be a vet because to me, that was the only profession that was dog related. Yeah. But then I'm like, but I don't want to be a vet because <laughs> I can't, like, I can't, I don't have the stomach for it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize like all this other stuff existed <laughs> that I could do. Right. But, so, yeah. so speaking on that, so you, you would consider yourself more in dog rescue. Or would you not? Or would you say there's like kind of more of a balance of like dog handling or training or whatnot? Um, I would say more dog rescue because the dogs that I'm working with, they don't have homes and I take them for rescues and I work with them. But it seems like you get a lot of behavioral cases. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting... But they're all rescues. Yeah. 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 Medical and behavior. I'm taking sometimes the worst, like the most challenging cases. And I've even, I I would love to know anyone else doing this, but I've never heard of another like trainer working with dogs also who have neurological issues, like mm. missing parts of their brains or mm. mobility issues. And, you know, when you get into that realm, you better be really creative in the way that you work with dogs because very creative. you don't, read about that in books or, you know, it's not like I can call up someone and be like, Hey, what's your experience with this? Yeah. So, um, that's like very interesting when you get into the, like, when the dog has like brain stuff on mm. top of behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So kind of on that note, um, of figuring things out, you have like learned from multiple different people as well in the regard, in regards to like, training or handling dogs what what about us causes you to come back um because we're so close (laughs) we were only four minutes like 10 minutes away from her this workshop oh okay (laughs) the convenience distance convenience yes any any trainer who comes within 10 miles of of angela she's in (laughs) no um and how did you hear about us uh, through Megan, yes. she okay. was like, "Wow, look at these, look at these people. Those they walk things, all yeah. their dogs with their horse, and it's so cool." And so I looked, and I was like, "Wow, this. Who are they?" Like, <laughs> and I just started following you guys on social media. And then I remember I invited you guys to come stay at my house, oh, not yeah. even ever meeting you. And you guys, you know, came for a night, and 
uh, I said to you, John, like, I have this dog, you know, she's a little bit complicated. It'd be really cool just to watch you work with her. And I lived where it was like freezing. And yeah, so Tehachapi, I remember yeah, it was winter. And it was raining and it was like icy cold outside. And Cole and I were inside <laughs> drinking tea, watching John from the window work with this dog. And I was like, damn, he is like dedicated, you know? And so just to see people with that much dedication and even Cole, like at workshops, having someone hand a dog to you and like your attention is on that dog and what it needs. Like it is never divided. You know, you're never on the phone or talking to other people or anything. Like you guys are like in tune with what that dog needs. And it's rare to find that. It's not, it's more so like, you know, what's kind of convenient, like, or let me take a video or whatever it is, you Mm -hmm. know, but you guys are like there for the dog. And that was like one of the really big things that I saw with both of you is Mm. just your awareness and dedication and your guys's energy feels like very safe to me and I don't feel that way with everyone um and so I can only imagine the way that dogs feel with you guys you Mm. know it's very positive right back at you yeah (laughs) the the feeling's mutual (laughs) thank you (laughs) like Cole and I left your place last night and we were just like uh, (laughs) it's like a nice little hug yeah (laughs) and like to the way that you you like the way that I observe you handling dogs in your care that resonates a lot with us is that even if they're like, you know, not cool with maybe John's coming over and they're like, Oh God, you're just so neutral about it. And that's not common either in people (laughs) that, that like we interact with is that you're just like, I'm going to come and get you and I'm not going to be rushed about it. I'm not going to go crazy about it. I'm just going to be there and help you out. And like, yeah, just, like the dog that like took way. a swipe at my leg last night. <laughs> you were just like, okay, yep, let's go over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... But it's not like passive. No, you... You're not like, oh, you yeah, know, like tiptoeing around. Intention, but I'm gentle about it. But I'm yeah. also like, let's not bite anyone who comes Ye- to my house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's a firm gentleness to it. Yeah, yeah. which is what you know? we like. Like that's yeah. our jam is yeah. like firm and gentle and yeah. like quiet. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that too because I used to be an incredibly anxious person mm. and the dogs would feel it. Like I talk about this a lot. I would open the door to where I had all my dogs. This was like many years ago when I first started doing rescue. I was young. I was like 21 or 22. And there would be an explosion of barking every time mm. I went into that room because I was such an anxious person. And I moved so fast. Mm. And I just knew like I was not helping the dogs being that way. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like a pretty calm, chill person most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, because you're pretty, I feel like you're pretty um, intuitive and you're like connected with feeling like feeling energy or feeling people or probably like the tree outside you might feel (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't know um how like what's been your experience with like with that because when the when you feel dogs there's a part of it that's self-reflection and like okay this is me reflected back at myself but then there's also a part of it that's like you're feeling the intensity of that dog that you're working with. And when you're attached to them, like you're, 
connected, it's like you're the, you're like a channel to what that dog is feeling. I don't know if I have a question. Well, I mean, this is one of the topics that we yeah. wanted to talk about because it's like when I'm working with a dog that's really intense, I'm asking them things, but I'm just asking them to do things. And then I'm trying to get them to respond the way that I'm looking for. But it's not, there's not this level of dictation, I guess you could say. And so, at least in my experience, because my ass kind of goes so far and then stops, I wait for the dog to come and respond to that ask. It's not me going over into their te- their space, their territory, and then eliciting what I want through a correction, force, et cetera, et cetera, or luring them. So there's like this middle space where it's it's quiet enough for me to where it's I get to literally feel the dog. And that is really intense with some of the dogs that you work with. And maybe you have the same experience, but I mean... Like, even when I was working with Merlin, like, I had to be on 200% because of the level of intensity, because of the level of the lack of margin for error, right? Um, And the same thing when I work with some other really intense dogs. And I guess that experience... I don't choose to live in that. We get those dogs from time to time. I will try to help other people with those dogs. I've handled plenty of them in my days. And like, I'm not necessarily seeking it out, right? You, on the other hand, you aren't seeking it out, but you find yourself in these situations where you work to a degree similarly to how we do. And so do you find yourself in that space where you're like, I have to work, I have to be on 200% for this dog because if I'm not, something bad could happen. And then not only that, but like the effects that that has on you as a handler, as a human being Mm -hmm. living in that day after day Mm -hmm. like that that to me is what's so intense is like when you handle these dogs like we fostered red zone dogs for like months six months a year right and it's like that (laughs) those dogs living in your space and your energy and working with them in this capacity like not even when you're working with them but just having their energy around yes just had, just like, literally having their energy around. Yeah. But, but because, and this comes back to the original thing, but we don't just put them away and then wash our hands of them right. for hours on end. We're like, we're always aware. So if like they're losing it, we go and help them. Right. We don't have a soundproof room where we just are like, okay, or they're far enough away or we lock them in a facility and then leave. Well, I think like it's, it's also it's so much more intimate. And think, so that effect over time, what is your and that's one of the reasons why we don't do it. 
because it's that intense. So yeah, I mean, when it's in my home, literally every room in my house has dogs in it. And if a dog is, you know, barking or making noise or something, I'm not like, Oh, God, that dog is so annoying. You know, like, Mm -hmm. that's not my mindset. I'm like, I need to go help that dog. What does it need? What am I not giving that dog right. in order to, for it to feel that way? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just my day is nonstop. Like I am constantly walking, hiking, working, trying to think of how I can fulfill, you know, all of these dogs in my care. And when you talk about like feeling deeply, I mean, the other day, my throat was hurting. Like I had a sore throat but there's no reason for me to have that. And so uh, later in the night, Freddie didn't want to eat. Freddie is my little tiny chihuahua who's just has a bunch of medical issues. And Freddie was having trouble swallowing. And so mm-hmm. for me to like live with, like that's how deeply I feel these dogs mm-hmm. is that when she has a problem, like I feel it, my body feels it. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be really careful about what energy I bring into my home. So if I know it's going to disrupt all the dogs in my house, I I have to say no to it. Like I I have to be an advocate for the dogs who I am caring for and working with because Mm -hmm. it'll drain everything out of you. I mean, I don't ever clock out from this. It's Mm 24-7. What about the middle ground? What about that meeting point of like, because I think what could be similar in how we work here, I'll wait, you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm texting about a dog. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Um, So I think that that meeting point where you're working with a dog and you're you're all if they're in your space you're always feeling them if you're working with them you're like feeling them that connection that space that jonathan was talking about that can be super uncomfortable for people to be in and i feel like some people might use certain things or tools to find a way to not be there for very long and sit in that feeling. Do you find yourself in that, in that spot with dogs that you're working with? Like a meeting spot of energy where you're like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's like, it's like describing like (laughs) this abstract. I I know you described it well. I I think Maybe something to add to that is because like you've worked with so many different trainers, some of the biggest names in the industry and like you have so many different tools and so many different ways about going about things. Right. So when you're in that, like what is the feeling for you? That moment Mm -hmm. is what grounds me the most Mm. because I have so many dogs with medical needs. I mean, I'm a caregiver first, right? I take on a lot of hospice dogs. It's sad. It's draining. And then I get a healthy dog who needs me in a behavior type of way. And that's when I can kind of clock out from my caregiver mode Mm. and go into something that really grounds me and to know that 
here's a healthy dog in front of me that I can make progress with. Mm. And so everything around me just sort of like slows down and stops. And that's a really, like, that's something that I need in my life. I don't get that in any other moment Mm. besides when I have a dog in front of me who needs like a thousand percent of me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, and that's, I, oh, I love that. that. That's the same experience mm-hmm. that I have. Like when there's chaos, I get so quiet. Yeah. I'm like, it just goes blank. Yeah. I almost like black out to a degree. <laughs> you do black out pretty <laughs> I do, much. I do. You, time I, goes away. Other people I, go away. Like. That's why everyone makes fun of me when I start working. Like, oh, <laughs> here we go. We might be here until morning time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it just, it's so, there's such a piece to it, yeah. you know. But again, I, as Cole was mentioning, like, I don't think a lot of people are really comfortable with that. That's why they may come in with like a correction or something to just kind of like get out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like avoid yeah. it too. Or avoid it. But I also think this kind of bleeds into another part of you that like when we walk into your space, like you've got like some ohm music playing, <laughs> like you got like some crystals. crystals. Yeah. And so I, I think that there's an element to you that Cole and I are definitely attracted to, we respond to. Um, and it is that, that like silence that you yeah. practice or you try to harness, you know, because like we both meditate, I've meditated my whole life. And I know what that does to me. I know what that has done to me in regards to affecting my dog handling and really kind of maybe growing my ability or my quote unquote uh, addiction to when chaos comes <laughs> about. I just, it's so easy to just go quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that you have that element that you create in your space, mm-hmm. you know? Anytime you've ever been teaching, every time you're like, you ask me a question, you're like, you're always so quiet. Like, what do you have to say? Or what are your thoughts? And it's been every single time. Literally every single time. (laughs) But I'm just generally a quiet person. And uh, like, I go my whole day without saying anything. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. just home with my dogs. The only time that I do talk is when I need to get their attention. And so it means something, you know? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm just quiet and I I don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is also not very common in the dog world. Yeah, mm-hmm. like so many people want to just be constantly talking to the dogs and mm-hmm. are giving direction. And like the only time I'm gonna you're gonna hear me call someone's name or get someone's attention is if you know something is happening that shouldn't be happening and mm-hmm. or I need to slow dogs down or whatever it mm-hmm. is. But I want my voice to be important to them. And so I'm just silent with them the whole day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll do that. I mean, Stitch is always silent because he's deaf. I know. I was but, funny because when I was working a lot with Stitch, it's silent. And then I went into the, I don't know, I think I was taking a little bit of time off Oregon Tales. And I came back into the pack and John was like, you have to use your voice sometimes to like teach dogs how to recall and like how to leave it. Like just remember that's like a part of it because he's like, he's such a good teacher yeah. in silence. 
It's so powerful to learn how to work with dogs when you can't use your voice, I feel Mm -hmm. like. You just have to tap into something that's deeper. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everyone should try it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Like Like challenge yourself. More than a day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, John, I mean, I tell this story too many times, but I love it. John would, when I started with Oregon Tales, I think it was, I was two years in or a year in. And he just would, he just showed up one day and was like, no more voices. And me and his sister, Jenny, who were hiking the pack, he was like, we were like, for how long? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. Not forever? And and then like, we, of course, we're freaking out like, oh God, how are we going to do this? What's, what's <laughs> Bandit going to do? What's Bruiser going to do? All the, you know? And like two weeks later, we're in the zone and he's like, you can have your voice back. And we're like, oh, we don't need it. Like yeah. it's like having an ex- so much time in it where you forget that you, you know, the, the need for it goes and We were away. working five days. We're working five days time. a week with the pack. And boarding dogs. And so it was like dogs. 14 days of no talking when you're working with a pack of dogs. Yeah. Well, and you're so much more in tune when you're not talking to the humans around you and you're yeah. just focused on the dogs. Mm-hmm. And some dogs just really need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I love that you said, though, about that space being grounding for you. Because it's, and I, we have the same experience where like, it becomes like a meditation. And like, I know that word can be hard for people, but it becomes very peaceful. And it's almost like finding peace in something that's uncomfortable. Right. Like you go into it and you're like, that's uncomfortable. But then all of a sudden it changes into something that you really like and it feels really good. And I feel like you become a very valuable and powerful source for the dog you're working with because how often do they get to really experience that from humans yeah and once they experience it they're gonna want more of it yeah yeah can you imagine like when you get someone's 200 percent like that's so powerful yeah so powerful that's so powerful yeah yeah so One of the topics that's been on like our mind for for some time um, has been this concept of humbling dogs. I've mentioned it in workshops. I've mentioned it to to people that we work with one on one, and you know whether the dogs have anxiety or whether they have um, reactivity or red zone, aggression, whatever the case may be. This concept of, of humbling them. And it comes in, in a multitude of, of, from a multitude of different angles. But I think maybe I've mentioned this before in one of the previous podcasts, but I do have this theory. Like somebody should start a service where they just walk from coast to coast with dogs. What do you that mean? are aggressive. You, you just, just like, take leash, a bunch of dogs and walk them. Just walk across <laughs> the country. <laughs> walk across the country. You sleep in a tent, like whatever. They sleep outside. Obviously, you're gonna do this like when it's warm and not like in the winter time. <laughs> you do it on the southern but, part. <laughs> yeah, it's just southern. There's a southern route. Yeah. <laughs> but the element of being in the elements, the value of being in the elements, the rain, the wind the heat, uh, all of that 
coupled with the physical exertion, coupled with the exposure to sights and sounds and random things happening and cats and dogs and deer and all of that. Like, sounds in the night. Yeah. Like, I don't know how long it takes to walk across the country, but let's just say it takes six months. Sean's going to be the first one to do it. <laughs> he would. <laughs> he would do it. <laughs> but like three months of that, like let's say you made it halfway across the country, like probably quite a few of those dogs are going to be humbled because in our experience with bringing dogs into the pack who have issues or, or, or foster dogs. fostering dogs with, with behavioral stuff, and like we're talking severe stuff, they don't know they they didn't know what a nine to five was. They didn't know what working in quote unquote a startup is. Like you go work in advertising like I did, like you work twelve or fifteen hour days. That's just easy. That's what everyone should do, you know. And like a lot of these dogs with this behavioral stuff, like they just are strung out and they have too much time on their hands to think about killing cats, to think about their fear of people, to stew and just stare at the front door and just wait for it to somebody to knock on it right. or the doorbell to ring, you know? They don't know what it's like to wake up day after day after day and be asked to do things, to have to move through life to be exposed to so many things, that alone is so potent. So just somebody walking across the country, if you didn't even do anything, you just literally had them attached to you, I guarantee you that would be so potent for 90% of those dogs. Well, okay. Then if you throw some like actual attention in there, right. you'd probably shrink it down, but... But just seeing the level of humble, like implementing this this element into our existence. Like, I don't know anyone who works dogs like we do. I've never seen it. Um, and I, I, I guess I wouldn't do it any other way because I see how potent it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, we don't use corrections. We don't use food. We use praise and like that deep two hundred percent attention. Like I'm, I'm when I'm attached to you, like you've got everything of me. You've got every ounce of my being. I'm not thinking about what I ate. I'm not thinking about what I want to eat. <coughs> I'm not thinking about anything except for what I feel and helping that dog feel better. And and so when you remove like corrections or food or whatever you have this element of time and you have this element of asking a dog to move through life with you and to become one. Like that that's the whole point of how we work with dogs. Now, the thing is though, is that that can take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of skill. But that's dogs. what we put forth yeah. in replace of those other ways of going about it, using other tools, corrections, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, so, yes and no. Like, I don't, I think that when I think of that, I think of more severe cases 
well, where we're yes. asking that much of them. Yes. I mean, I think our, our days with dogs are pretty big. Like, yeah, them, you know, if even if it's like a boarding member, a pack member that's boarding, they they have a full day. Yes. Every day is a full day. What I want to add, and you've used this word before with these kinds of dogs that um, you were mentioning, like dogs that don't know how to work. They have too much time in their head. Yeah. Oh, you, a word you've used before is they feel invincible. Like yes. they've never had, they've, they're, they've never been tired from exercising or had to think super hard about something. Like they're just invincible. Problem solve. Problem solve. Yeah, or, or again, just like been tired. Like some of these dogs, like you do a full day and they go to bed and they're like, yeah. Well, the other thing with that though is like they've been, like I we've worked with plenty of those dogs who've been drained, but right. they don't have work ethic. That's different. Right. That's different than a dog that's just, that they've, tired. they've been drained. They know what that possibly is, but the work ethic, that's different. What would that be like? They go to bed, they wake up, they work. Then they go to bed, they wake up, they work. Meaning like they, they're going. They're going, they're but doing. like also just the the way that you work with them, the things that you ask of them, because they can turn. Like we were just, I was talking about this. I think the other night when we were working with that that big dog in the park. Um, but they can't. With the way that we work with them, they can't tune us out. They can't say, they can't get full on food, right? They can't get numb to corrections or e-callers or whatever and just like tune that out. They can't do that. So they have to learn how to continue to move because we can still push them. And of course, like you're trying to build a connection and relationship. So this may sound like, wow, you're just dry. You're working the hell out of dogs. And it's like, you, you push them, but you're not trying to push them so far off the edge that you're destroying the relationship or the connection <laughs> okay. that you're looking for, right? So, but you're just, but you're trying to be like, okay, you're trying to find that point where they're like, dang, I've never experienced this before in my life. And whoa. And then you're like, okay, we'll stop for the day, you know? And to have to like mentally go through all of that too and be drained in that way, I'm sure there's so many dogs out there who feel like a great sense of relief from that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they've never felt it before. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes them feel better. Yeah. Because again, you can drain a dog, but that's just a drained dog. You know, you can, yeah. It's almost like humbling and fulfillment live right next to each they, other. They do. <laughs> they they because, totally do. Be, yeah, because like that dog who just had a job for the day is also fulfilled. I'm like, wow, I feel better. Cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess another way of looking at work ethic, like I look at, um, like dogs who do bite work and dogs who have amazing obedience and all that stuff. Like I'm like, I don't really know what kind of work ethic those dogs have because what I would be asking them to do, like at some point they would just be like, they'd be like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to work for you anymore. And I'm like, well, 
let's keep going, you know? And that's that, that focal point where they're like, whoa, humans have a lot of power and maybe I should respect them. If you use it in, a, in the correct way, obviously, if you're using it in a way of building a relationship. Yeah. But when I look at those obedience dogs or the bite work dogs or whatever, like they, in the past, I've looked at them and seen kind of like this facade of like, whoa, those dogs are hardcore. Now I look at them and I'm like, they're really hardcore, but I don't think they have a lot of, they might have a lot of stamina, but not work ethic. Do you think that work ethic comes from a more of a level of connection? Yes, because to me, work ethic comes from that uh, the handler asking the dog to do something and then learning to respect and do that, right? But not from a force kind of way and not from a lure kind of way. It's right. that. It's just you, you get more on the same page. Because if you don't get on the same page as the dog and you don't ask these things of them, then you're going to have to use those other tools. You're going to have to maintain your, there's going to be way more maintenance throughout their life. Mm -hmm. But when you give, and this I guess ties into, you know, giving so much to the animal, when you give, like when I spend so much time with a dog, hours working with them and this is more an extreme case don't think that you have to work your dog for hours. <laughs> but when i take the time and i'm that patient for them like they look at me different afterwards mm. and then i do that again the next day and then again the next day and they're like whoa you're not number one you're patient number two you're not going away number three you're not losing your cool and it's like all these things start to add up. And so, yes, I'm asking them to do things, but coupled with that is the, the aspect of sharing time. Coupled with that is is, that, is the guidance, you know, to a better place. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's like you, yeah, like, like Stitch has amazing work ethic, but he doesn't work like that anymore. No. But mm-hmm. just the way he looks at you. Right. When you ask him to do something, right. he's like so, like, happy to do it. And he's just like, what, what are we doing next? Right. <laughs> and not in a way where it's like, what are we doing next? You know, it's like in a, such a healthy way. Right. But he looks at you like so deeply, like you're his world, you know, and that's really cool to be that for a dog. Right. Yeah. 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 And that come, yeah, that's like, like I can ask him to work for four hours right now and he'd be like, okay, fine, (laughs) let's do it. Or I could ask him to work two minutes in a month and that's all he needs, you know? So it's like, it goes away over time and just the relationship is... It's, it's there. So speaking on this, what is your experience with, with this element? I know um, you had one recently. Yeah. Maybe you share that. And then if you've had 
other experiences because we haven't heard anyone really talk about this Mm -hmm. you know from coming at it from this angle yeah whether Um, it's work ethic or just a humbling like a dog that's changed yeah um i almost a year ago i fostered a jindo um named hero and when i had him he was a very flighty dog and afraid of everything. When he was at the shelter, he wouldn't even eat. He was losing weight. Um, Just everything scared him. He was afraid of, you know, the world. And I fostered him for a few months, and then he got adopted. Um, And he was in that home for five months. And within that five months, he ran away from that person two times. So um, the first time it took me five hours to find him. I hiked in circles with dogs. Uh, that he knew. And, you know, he came running to me and we found him. And that was the first time. And he had only been gone from me about a week that time. The second time that it happened, he had been gone from me for five months. And I went out and I searched for him for a month. He was gone for a month. We kept having all these sightings. One morning, I got a call at 7am saying he was getting onto the freeway. And he would travel like three to five miles within a few days. Like he was on the move most of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, and he didn't have a pattern. Most times when dogs run away, you know, they're going to go back to where they they got lost from. Yeah. Or they're going to be in like a big perimeter, you know? And he had no pattern. He kept going to new places. And we knew it was him because we saw footage on ring cameras where he was, you know, looked like he was looking for food every time. He started to get really skinny. Mm. And Thank he was, God for ring cameras. They're just like showing the world so much stuff. <laughs> well, it was it's so crazy helpful for days. me yeah. to see like, how okay, how fast is he moving? Right. How skinny is he right now? Mm-hmm. Basically telling me what direction did he go in? Was he flighty? What did right. he feel like? You know, mm. so it's kind of helping me in a way to like keep track of where he was and come up with a plan for when I did see him because I saw that he was very flighty in some of the videos. I knew he wasn't going to remember me the first time he saw me. Mm-hmm. So my plan was that I just needed to be in the same area as him at the same time with a pack, with my pack, with dogs. Mm. Um, some dogs he knew, some energy I chose that was like very playful and happy-go-lucky and I knew what attract him over. Mm. Um, and another dog uh, was just very like neutral and safe and like everyone feels good around her. Um, so I had to have like a very strategic plan with this dog because he was also just like very savvy, you know, like he mm. had been living for a month by himself and i'm sure a part of him enjoyed a lot of that um Mm -hmm. not being with a human who nurtured any of his insecurities um so when i finally got to be in the same place as him at the same time it took me about two hours to be able to i didn't want to catch him i didn't want my experience to be let me trap you or catch you Mm -hmm. i wanted to attract him to me And I was able to do that, and um, I used a a snare to get a leash on him, and then I leashed him. Um, I used my dogs and food and all of that. He was starving, so I knew, you know, dogs and food were kind of going to be my thing. A leg snare, right? Uh, Over his neck. Oh, God. Basically like a slip lead with a pole kind of attached to it, and I let go of it, and it goes on like a slip lead. Got it. Um, Because he wouldn't quite get close enough to me for me to reach for him. Mm -hmm. We weren't there yet. Um, so yeah, when I brought him home, as soon as I pulled up, he knew where we were. He started 
whining and scratching at the crate door, which is something he never did mm. because he was a little bit, you know, shut down. Mm-hmm. And I let him out into the yard and I just dropped his leash and his tail was up. Like I had never seen this dog with a tail up before. Mm -hmm. And now he's like life of the party. He gets everyone to play. (laughs) He's happy-go-lucky, a completely different dog. Had you met him when he came out of the shelter, even after I worked with him from like now today, you would not know it was the same dog. Mm -hmm. And I think just his, his experience of having to go through challenging situations for 30 days straight and then also having to like actually find his food it wasn't given to him mm-hmm. just to have to like work for everything exercise be drained at the end of the day like he was surviving you know mm-hmm. and he came back a different dog and you know I, I, it sucks that he ran away but in the long run like it was really good for him mm-hmm. so have you noticed that like kind of humbling concept with with other dogs and like if so like what what were those observations or experiences um i don't know if this is the same thing but i have a a wheaton terrier named rosie who you guys obviously know Mm -hmm. um and i brought her to your guys's seminar and she's a very flighty dog um just came from a, a bad situation and so I felt like I could only make so much progress with, progress with her in my home. But when I traveled with her and I brought her to a new place um, and then to the seminar and then I was, you know, practicing in a, a different home, like everything was different for her. And just to go through, you know, the gentle method with her, everything. When we came home, she was so different. Like, mm-hmm. just to put her through challenging situations where I knew we could be successful with it. Mm-hmm. And then we came home. She and was safe. Yeah, and yeah. safe. And if she needed me, and I, you know, I was there for her. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever she needed in that moment, like, I knew I was there to give it to her. Um, and when we went home, like, there was just so many new things that she did that were positive. Mm. It's so cool because it can happen, like either just nature doing the yeah. the processing alone, you know, in nature, but then also going through that with you and having you hold her hand through it. And then, like you said, go through something that you know you can succeed in for a handful of days and then come home. She probably looked at you differently. Oh, yeah. Like so much more eye contact now. I can approach her like there's just so many changes that you know for a normal dog doesn't seem like a big deal but for a dog like rosie it's huge Mm -hmm. it's so cool yeah it's so cool when you can be a part of it oh my gosh even just for me to like feel that and to know like this dog ran away from people had to be trapped and you know she was going to be euthanized because she was so scared but now Mm. like I mean, she helps me with other dogs. Like, she has such cool energy around mm. other dogs. Like, I love this dog so yeah, much. <laughs> yeah. We do, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She, no offense to all of your other dogs, but she, she was the one I was looking forward to seeing the most. Yeah, yeah, I asked him. I was like, who are you looking for? No, you asked me. Like, who are you looking forward to? <laughs> like, hmm. 
Of your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> of all of them. Yeah. There's a lot to there, choose There's from. a lot. It's like ordering food from like a buffet or something. Like, what do I want to eat first? Yeah. Like, like, who do I want to say hi to first? I Jeez. Know. It's like so like, I love you all. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So I, I guess another, I have another question for you. So... What is your, coming back to you having worked with so many different trainers, and that that's fairly common in the dog world. It's not common to Cole and I because um, we kind of grew up under that rock that we did. <laughs> but uh, this this concept of seeking. So... You, in my observation, like you've really found some things in your life that really work for you. Or created some things. Or yeah, created some things for sure. Um, Like working with dogs. Like that's something that you're probably not seeking anymore. You're not looking to life for that level of fulfillment. You found it with dogs because of what they gave you. And then secondly, I guess another observation is like the the way your house is set up, the energy in it with the crystals, the 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 silence that you try to hold for that space, right? It seems like you've found something there. When it comes to dog handling, what do you think is like a a driving factor for people to continue to go to different trainers instead of like finding one and having that going through that whole process and just having that complete understanding of that a particular technique you could say um yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is like time. I, I feel like people in general kind of want to find things that work faster. And that's not always the best option for dogs. Um, I feel like, you know, there's some people out there who will say, you know, send this dog to me for two weeks and I'll fix them or whatever it may be. And for me personally, I'll never put a time on anything because I don't know how long it's going to take, you know? Um, Yeah, we're in the same boat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so just to find people who actually like slow down and put in that time, I think is kind of rare. Um, Or, you know, maybe it's some people haven't really found what they love or because if you don't like something, you probably shouldn't do it with dogs <laughs> absolutely yeah. and there's a lot of people out there who'll be like well so and so does it so i need to also mm-hmm. but i think it's really great to like know what feels good to you and the dog you know together mm. and maybe that's a lack of awareness from a human and not feeling things or being aware mm. it's kind of my thought process on it mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think awareness is a is a big element of it. Like for us, um, doing something that brings you enjoyment is like the most important thing in our in our opinion. It's like our mission statement. Like people who have worked with us, if I kind of caught wind that they weren't enjoying, I was like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, like go, go, <laughs> go, goodbye. Yeah, yeah, right. Go find um, something that brings you enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, and like even like when we bought the side by side, like there was no reason for us to buy that big side by side, but I was like, this would be really fun and enjoyable. <laughs> And the dogs the seem dogs. to love it. And the dogs <laughs> seem to love it. So I'm like, well, why not? Yeah. So like enjoyment is such a big element um, to us. And I, I think it, it should be a big proponent in, in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to dog handling, like finding something that brings you that enjoyment, right? Brings you that enjoyment. And also brings your dog that enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And I guess the the funny thing with that, though, is that it's not like enjoyment. Maybe I'm not sure what your your kind of definition of it is, but like enjoyment isn't just a linear path of giggles. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> You know, it's like enjoyment encapsulates the good and the bad. Like enjoyment harnesses both of those because those are both a reality in life. But when you enjoy it, there isn't good and bad to a degree. It just is. Does that make sense? Well, when you were out working in the rain, I'm sure you well, didn't enjoy exactly. the rain, right. but you enjoy what you do with dogs. But, but right. there's a level of like <laughs> right. blacked outness that happens to yeah. me because I'm like, I'm so ingrained and in tune with what I'm doing that the feeling of being cold goes out the window and I'm just there for the dog. Like to me, like enjoyment transcends the senses you know like to where you're just you surrender yourself to the moment and if you're working a dog and you're not enjoying it how valuable of an experience is that really for exactly. either of you exactly. totally yeah exactly totally. and exactly exactly <laughs> three times yes. four times exactly and like there are dogs that i'll work with where i'm like this is really hard work but Mm -hmm. that's not not enjoyable you know yeah it's probably you probably have that experience too where it's like yeah you wake up every day like there's sacrifice in it a lot of sacrifice a lot of yeah but it's i feel i feel my projection is (laughs) that you wouldn't have it any other way yeah and if i have a dog that I, I mean, I'm a human. I've had dogs that I just didn't enjoy working mm-hmm. with and I need to be really aware of that. Then I'll ask for help. Mm. You know, I'll be like, I, I need help with that mm-hmm. dog. Whether it's today, maybe I'm having an off day. Mm-hmm. I just need to be really aware of that because my days are draining. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are times where, you know, I'm just like, I, I need help with this dog today. Mm-hmm. And and to ask for help, I think, is like a really big thing. And, and we 
as dog handlers kind of need to be more aware before we yes hit that feeling of non-enjoyment and <laughs> right. know when to kind of take a step back and maybe take a break or whatever it is that you need to do and then step back into it when it is enjoyable yeah yeah i mean that that i think just comes back to like what you were saying earlier about like awareness like yeah you know you gotta be an you got to have that awareness yeah. because then you're really going to get yourself into a situation where things are not enjoyable. Yeah. So. I think that's also like, that's in the moment when you're handling a dog, but also like just in life in general, what you take on and like having the awareness of like, oh, this energy, is this going to be right in my home or is this not the right time for this energy before you're committed yeah. And then you're like, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. And then you have to go through the process have- of being like, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> and then you have to write that yourself. Yeah. You have, yeah. Like if, you, if you're somebody who's like, I made this decision, then you're like, okay, well, you made this decision, so now you need to buck up yeah. but- you know, and make changes in your life to incorporate this <laughs> exactly. thing. Yeah. So like that, yeah. But when you bring the awareness in, like you're saying, before it hits, before that moment hits, you're able to maneuver that and like say yes to certain things that make that path. When I was 22, I'd say yes to everything. Mm. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, that dog wants to really hurt you. Yes, I'll take it. And like how stupid of me, but also I didn't really know any better. I was Mm. just wanting to help everyone, you know. And now fast forward many years later, I can already say, you know, that dog is not what I'd like to bring home and live with. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important skill to have, or boundary, I should say, to have with yourself. I know I joke a lot about, you know, not really having many boundaries because I have so many dogs. And, you know, you guys showed up the other day and was like, who's that dog? And I'm like, oh, I just picked it up this morning. (laughs) Literally, I was like, oh, who's that one? Like, I don't know. I just picked it up this morning at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) With her little pink sweater. (laughs) Yeah. But to have a boundary to be like, you know, either that's beyond my skill set or that's going to really disrupt the energy in my house with the dogs or myself. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just so important. Mm -hmm. And and like I can think back um, during a very long period of time, probably like 10 years, where when I said yes, it the challenge of it was the enjoyment Right? figuring it out the the figuring it out yeah. was the enjoyment and now i'm like i don't want to say like i don't have fun figuring out those things um my attention's just more in a, in a different zone but like saying yes it was not ever overwhelming during that period of time right you know so like I don't know if you've had that experience. Like, what was the sh- when when was the shift for you? Like with the awareness, you know, because like for us, like we just have been pivoting in different in a different direction. Um, but I do remember looking back and being like, "Damn!" Like the stuff that I went through 
and the, the challenges that I overcame with certain dogs, I wouldn't have it any other way. And like, whether it was doing an entire pack day and then coming back and working with a dog for another three hours. Or just picking up a dog two or three hours early for free, just so that we could learn and work for work with them to incorporate them in the pack yeah, yeah. because we like i i did that with hades right. she came out five days a week she was a tough dog for me and so I, I was just like can i pick her up two hours early because i want that extra time to learn from her because i don't get it like i need to figure this out yeah and i don't i i wouldn't do that we're coming but. back from pack <laughs> and get, getting getting back to the ranch and being like I'm going to go run the dogs on the side-by-side in the, like, snow for an hour. Oh, that and was just so fun, have though. so much fun, <laughs> you so know. Fun. And this is, like, after a full pack day. I know, but they love it. And, like, like we all the dogs all are, like, blissed yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so our energy is in a different in a different place, but it was still so full of enjoyment. Like, I think back on those memories, and they're so bright. They're full I, of light, I, I you know. I think a part of that is um, – Oh, frick, I lost it. Oh, that we know what it takes now. Where we, we Before, we'd bring on a dog and be like, I don't know, it seems kind of challenging. <laughs> yeah. And now we're like, oh, I know what, I know what that dog's going to take. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have that to give right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge. Is that, yeah. Is that kind of an element yeah, that I helps mean, you, like with your, your awareness expanded enough to where you're like, okay, I see the writing on that door and like, I can't give that dog what it needs. So let's go to door number two. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I've never even thought about that until you just said it, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so clear to us now. We've been doing this for so long that I'll see a video of a dog or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, "I I can't give that dog what it needs. So I would be doing a disservice to that dog if I took it on and a disservice to myself and all the other dogs in my house. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to be able to look at something to be like, I know exactly what it needs, Mm -hmm. but I can't give it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. (laughs) But you learn that through the experience of taking on dogs like that. When I was 22 and would say yes to everything. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like I see that in workshops where I like I see dogs that show up at workshops and I'm like, I know exactly how long that would take. Yeah. And it's a long time. <laughs> like the person's really got them solves a project. But yeah. they're in that like ignorant, blissed out place where they're like, I don't know, let's see where we were, you, you know, yeah. years ago where you're like, I don't know. Like yeah. we'll figure it out over time. Yeah. yeah. There so, are times like when I see like with Bruno, the dog that you guys met yesterday, Mm -hmm. I'll see a video of them and I'm like, wow, I know that's going to be really challenging. Mm. And if that dog ended up with someone who didn't have the experience, Mm. they're either going to stay the same or they could get worse, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so that I feel like such a responsibility to be like, I know that I can help that dog 100% confident. And so I feel like, not that I have to take it, but- I want it to be me that mm. that dog comes to, you know? Right. And so that's probably why I have so many right now. Um, but that's really you're important just greedy. to me. <laughs> oh. You're just greedy with the, you're like, I want to help. So I'm going to help everything and everyone. I wish there were so many other people who 
could do what we do. Like you multiply us. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean that in like the most humble way, but like, I wish there were so many other people Mm. who work dogs the way that we did, you know, Mm -hmm. who could be helping more because there's such a need for it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want it to all be on me and my friends. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ignorance is bliss to a degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Ignorance is bliss. I remember when I first started in dog rescue, I would see posts on Facebook and it was like the dog's photo and a description. And a lot of them were like, you know, uh, they're going to be euthanized in 48 hours, you know, all these things. And mm-hmm. so me, I would almost get like an adrenaline rush and be like, I have mm-hmm. to help that dog. How am I going to get it? You know, it's very unhealthy at that time. I was 22. I, I was young. Um, but it'd be like the shelter staff can't even go into the kennel mm-hmm. and it's a Malinois. <laughs> I would take those dogs never even meeting them and I would have them get into a transporter's car and not bring me one, but like bring me like three to five of them. Wow. And then I lived with them and worked with them and I found them all homes. I never have done a behavioral euthanasia. Like I, neither have we. It's very uncommon. Yeah. And if I take a dog in, whether it's a foster, through a rescue, whatever, if it can't get adopted, like it still lives with me. Mm. I'm like, okay, what do you need? Like, I know I can help you. Mm -hmm. So that's also why I'm very careful to take on dogs because they're not going anywhere. I commit to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like they're with me. You know, once I meet them and you're at my house, like (laughs) I'm committed. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Cole and I are the same. Like, we fostered yeah. dogs for over, like, I think the most was a year and three quarters. Year and a half, yeah. yeah. Year and a half. I would have um, some for two years. Yeah. Yeah. And then that one person comes along yeah. and you're like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Finally. Right when you're on the edge. Like, <laughs> oh, are they going to be life? Yeah. Are they going to be yeah, with exactly. us for life? And then here they come. And they're just, like, perfect and yeah. put in the time and, Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's so rewarding. Oh, yeah. And you can teach that person to come into this dog's life and hand off that relationship to the new person. Yeah. I mean, because as much as like, like you're saying, it's like, I wish we could have more of us or more people doing this. There, we all are limited in what we can take on. Yeah. And so when you can find that dog a home where it's just maybe the human and them. Like the life that you're giving to that dog is so good. It's so full. Like they're they're entering into this family that that you brought them to. And I'm like trying to describe this feeling. Like with Negus. Like when they're in that limbo before you commit to them. It's not the best place for them because they don't have someone that's like, this is my heart, like here, have it. Yeah. But when you can give them that in another person and then they get to experience that forever. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if we kept them, we would do that for them. But to give them another person to do that for them, it's just, it's so good. I feel like it's a part of that feeling that is so rewarding. 
Yeah, it's so good for me personally, too, to meet other people who will be just as dedicated to that dog as we are. Yeah. That's a really important thing for me because I take on so many homeless dogs and they're not easy. Yeah. So to find someone who will even take a chance on a dog like that, like that's huge. Yeah. 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 And to have dogs like who maybe have never experienced that before. Yeah. And then you give it to them. And then another person gives yeah. it to them. That's just so, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's like, it's very special. Yeah. For any being to experience that heart value. You yeah. Know? So special, so precious. Yeah. Because it's like you're multiplying, you're like, that's multiplying yourself. Yeah. It's like, finding those homes for those dogs because then you're you're it's not that you're taking on more but you're you're sharing that more with more dogs yeah yeah and then they get adopted and yeah i can help another one exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah hmm. john do you have anything else we need to let angela go <laughs> hmm um do you have anything else yeah i mean we are kind of like what do you think about me in particular because i don't have a dog um i look at it that you had such a strong connection to juno that i feel like it would be weird if you got a dog right away (laughs) because like you and him together, like Cole and Stitch together, it's such a strong connection. And when you love a dog that much and your life revolves around your dog, not the other way around, mm. you know, like you didn't get a dog to fulfill something of yours. I mean, it did, right. but you had a dog to fulfill them. Um, I think it's really hard to jump back in to that relationship. Mm. But what's cool about you guys is you take your time. And so I feel like you're taking your time and waiting for the right dog to come along. I mean, I don't know if you're planning on getting another dog, <laughs> but I feel like if you do meet the right dog, you're going to be like, that's that's the one, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really cool that your, um, like, that's important to you is making sure it's the right one. Like a dog who's going to enjoy your guys' lifestyle too. You know, you're Mm -hmm. not just going and choosing a dog based off of what it looks like or whatever it is that, you know, normal people, I I don't want to say normal people, but you know, like the typical person looking for a dog, they're going to go choose like, oh, that dog looks cool. Let me get it. Mm -hmm. Whereas you guys are like, let's wait until we know this dog is going to really love our lifestyle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Because we are totally opposite in so many ways, you know? Yeah. Like even Megan. Like because I have know. 30 dogs and you have zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, we're it's, 30 times opposite. I don't really opposite. have 30, everyone. But. It's like <laughs> having one soulmate or having, quote unquote, 30 soulmates. <laughs> What's better? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, having 30 soulmates. It's amazing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> 
You do have a dog. You have a giant dog. Yes, I do. <laughs> Merlin. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Thank you for, for taking time out of your your time. Yeah, you're busy. <laughs> I mean, we're literally taking like, time away from the dogs. And I know. We realize and that, so really. And we, we really know that we are. Appreciate it. <laughs> I was like, so. guys, I have this much time. Let's <laughs> right. do it. I'm leaving my house yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Really appreciate you and what you do for dogs and and coming to share time with us again. Yeah. Like we're looking forward to the next three days and, and working with you and Ollie. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah. So And for just being in our life. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. The feeling yeah. is very mutual. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Cool.